Hey, welcome back to I Must Discuss. And for this weekend edition, I must discuss the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II and what is next for the British monarchy. I'm talking about Brett Favre and he is caught up in some welfare scandal in Mississippi. I'm also going to be talking about the Celtics head coach being suspended and his connection to actress Neil Long. And then I'm also gonna mention a few shows that I'm watching. Let's get into it. The second Elizabethan age is officially over. Queen Elizabeth II was laid to rest on Monday after a 10 day mourning period in the UK. And I think I heard a statistic that 9 out of 10 people alive today have only known her as the monarch in Britain. But that's not surprising since she was 96 and she reigned for 70 years. Now, one small detail that has emerged that I thought was interesting is that her last dog, her last dorgy, which was a Dachshund and Corgi mix, her name was Candy. Candy died just a few days before the queen passed away. Now, the two corgis that were at the funeral were given to her last year by Prince Andrew to cheer her up after another puppy he had given her had died. Candy was the last of the dogs that Queen Elizabeth actually bred herself. And so Candy was 18 and she was special to the queen because she was bred from a dash hound that was owned by her sister, Princess Margaret. Now I'm quoting an article from the Daily Mail. Although in dog years, Candy was an extreme old age, her death hit the queen hard. In a highly unusual move, she decided she did not want this most loyal of companions to be buried at Balmoral. For most of her life, there has been an unwritten rule that her dogs are buried where they die, so the final resting places of her pets can be found at Windsor, Sandringham, and Balmoral. Normally, the queen herself oversees the burials accompanied by her head gardener. Later, a headstone engraved with the dog's name, date of birth, and death, and a suitable epitaph is put up. But on the death of Candy, she arranged for the dog's remains to be flown to London and transferred to Windsor to be buried with another long-term companion, Vulcan, who passed away in 2020. End quote. I'm talking about this because the Queen said she didn't want to leave any of her dogs behind, which is why she had stopped breeding them a few years ago. I'm not saying she didn't care for her new corgis, but I think that once Candy died, I think that did her in. So that's my two cents. So the queen essentially had two funerals. She had one at Westminster Abbey in London and a second one at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, which is in Windsor. Windsor is about a 30 or 40 minute drive west of London. It's a very cute little town. I understand that the service at Windsor included guests that the Queen knew more personally, um, such as former staff. And I think even uh, Princess Diana's brother was at the Windsor service. So, But also, the Queen had special ties to Windsor. She and her sister lived there for five years during World War II when London was under attack. And I learned this on my tour. They They sent the princesses there because they knew the castle would be safe because Hitler planned on living there if he had conquered London. Windsor was also her weekend home, so while she lived at Buckingham Palace during the week, she'd be in Windsor uh, during the weekend. She spent her last years living there full-time during COVID. 
St. George's Chapel is the is her final resting place, and it's also where her father, King George VI, her mother, Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother, and her sister, Princess Margaret's ashes, are all located. And now uh, the Queen and Philip are in that same side chapel with the rest of her family. I toured St. George's Chapel when I went to London back in May, and you can actually see inside the memorial chapel where her family is laid to rest, but you obviously can't go in there, but you can see inside the room. Viewership of the funeral was a lot lower than a lot of pundits anticipated. Only about 27 million people tuned in globally for the service. And, you know, that's an indication of waning interest in the monarchy. Young people, Gen Z, they are not into it. And this is going to be a challenge for King Charles III as he starts his reign. The deference the public had for his mother does not appear to be extending to him. Even before she died, the nations where the queen was still head of state were demanding formal apologies and reparations over slavery. Let's not forget the wealth of the monarchy came from exploiting black people and natural resources in those countries. And all of this came to a head when both William and Kate the new prince and princess of Wales, and the queen's youngest son, Prince Edward, and his wife, Sophie, they all did tours in the Caribbean ahead of the queen's jubilee. Famously, the Jamaican prime minister, Andrew Holness, he told William and Kate on camera, no preparation, during what was supposed to be a welcome ceremony that Jamaica planned to remove the British monarch as head of state. Now, this was part of a confluence of negative press for this Caribbean tour, which included photos of Kate Middleton, who was shaking hands of black children who were behind a fence, and a video of her physically recoiling from shaking the hand with a black woman who wasn't just some random person, but she was actually Jamaica's minister of culture. You can go on YouTube and find the video of her like shriek, not shrieking, but like pulling, physically pulling herself back from shaking this woman's hand. So both William and Kate were also criticized for a tone-deaf parade where they were riding on a Range Rover surrounded by people of color and uh, who were service people who recently finished a Caribbean Military Academy's official training program. Now, this was the same vehicle that the Queen and Prince Philip used back in 1953 when they toured the country. The visuals just did not look good. It was definitely giving, you know, imperialism. Not only that, but there are rumblings in Scotland about leaving the UK. And word on the royal streets is that King Charles is most fearful about that. He does not want the UK breaking up on his watch. Back in July, the BBC ran a report saying that Nicola Sturgeon, she's the first minister of Scotland, kind of like a prime minister. She wants to hold another referendum on the matter of Scottish independence next year in October 2023. They tried this back in 2014 and they didn't get enough votes to pass it. Right now, the UK Supreme Court is deciding whether or not Sturgeon can put this referendum out there for the Scottish public people to vote on. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets shot down, especially in wake of the Queen's passing. We shall see. With Liz gone, we're left with Charles, who has his own baggage. Many people in the U.S. are still Team Diana and not feeling Queen Camilla at all. And let's face it, Charles is already 73, so his reign is not going to be very long. 
My best guess is 15 years max, which then brings us to William and Kate, who are not exactly bastions of charisma. I mean, when you compare them to Harry and Meghan in terms of popularity, I'll just put it to you this way. Their Oprah interview had higher ratings than the Queen's funeral. Because the constitutional monarchy in Britain is mostly toothless, its survival really depends on public appeal. And if you're boring and expensive, it's possible that younger generations are not going to buy into having a monarchy. Does it belong in our present day? That's a question for the British public to decide. We shall see. Now, I promise you this is not a sports podcast, the furthest thing from it. However, this story, I cannot pass this up, okay? Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers for 15 years, from 1992 to 2007. He retired and unretired a few times before he finally called it quits in 2010 when he was with the Minnesota Vikings. Anyway... Brett Favre is originally from Mississippi. He was born in Mississippi. He went to high school there. He went to college at the University of Southern Mississippi. So he is a Mississippi boy through and through. This week, it came out that Brett is allegedly wrapped up in a welfare scandal with the state of Mississippi. So the New York Times is reporting that Brett Favre is being sued. He's being sued by the state of Mississippi for his alleged involvement in the misuse of welfare money. So it's like, what? Like, what is an NFL star doing with, like, welfare money? Like, how does this even make sense? So I'm going to let the New York Times explain this. So I'm quoting the New York Times. They say, quote, Mr. Favre, who earned more than $140 million in his Hall of Fame career, was paid $1.1 million for speeches he never gave, the suit said. He also orchestrated more than $2 million in government funds being channeled to a biotechnology startup in which he had invested, according to the suit, end quote. So he made $140 million during his career. Now let's say his agent took 10%. Let's say his manager took 5%. And let's say he gave 10% to the Lord. That's still, that's still $105 million that he estimated, you know, got to keep for himself. I mean, unless he was balling out of control, like he should still be set. So this just really is just not making sense, right? So I'm going to keep going, though, with the New York Times article. So Brett is not the only person caught up in this scandal. It is far-reaching. He is just one of 38 individuals and organizations named in this lawsuit. Right now, he is not facing any criminal charges. Let me just be clear on that. He is not facing any criminal charges. He has only been named in this lawsuit. Uh, quoting the article, it says, Bud Holmes, Mr. Favre's lawyer, did not return a request for comment. Both he and Mr. Favre have said repeatedly that the football legend was not aware that the funds came from a federal welfare program, end quote. 
Now back to the lawsuit and quoting the New York Times article. Rather than helping the poor, the federal welfare program known as Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, or TANF, T-A-N-F, appeared to become a slush fund for pet projects and personal gain. The state alleges that the money was siphoned off for services that were often never provided and in any case would have failed to meet both federal and state regulations governing their dispersal. The case follows a state audit released in May 2020 suggesting that as much as $94 million of TANF funds might have gone astray. The lawsuit alleges, so here's where Brett is, gets in the mix in all this. The lawsuit alleges that a volleyball stadium at Brett's College alma mater was built with the welfare money. Allegedly, the state's governor at the time was also in on it. And now I'm quoting the article again. Text messages were revealed and court documents suggested that former Governor Phil Bryant, working with Ms. New, helped Mr. Favre obtain federal money for a state-of-the-art volleyball facility to be built at Mr. Bryant's and Mr. Favre's alma mater, the University of Southern Mississippi, where Mr. Favre's daughter played the sport. Quote, can we help him with his project, Mr. Bryant wrote in a, 20, in a July 2019 text to Ms. New, noting that he had just talked to Mr. Favre. In 2020, the state's auditor's report said the university received $5 million for a bogus lease to use all its athletic facilities, including the volleyball center, which was not yet built for programs for the poor. The money paid by the Mississippi Department of Human Services via the Nancy and Zachary News nonprofit organization actually went toward construction, the audit said. Last April, Mr. New pleaded guilty to transferring $4 million from TANF funds, which the federal government bars from using for, quote, brick and mortar projects to the university. The text released last week seemed to indicate that the $1.1 million welfare contract to promote the center's programs, work that was never performed, was another way to divert money to the stadium. In the August 2017 text conversation about concealing the source of the money meant for the facility, Ms. New assured Mr. Favre that she understood he was, quote, uneasy, but that that kind of information was never publicized. The next day, she wrote, quote, wow, just got off the phone with Phil Bryant. He is on board with us. We will get this done, end quote. Now, that was all from the New York Times article. Wow. Now, the article goes on to say that Mr. Favre has repaid the state the $1.1 million, though the state auditor has said he still owes $228,000 in interest. Now, back in July, an attorney that was investigating the welfare fraud case was actually fired by the state of Mississippi. Now, this I'm taking from an article by Mississippi Today. It says, quote, <clears throat> the state welfare department has fired Brad Pidgett, the, U the former U.S. attorney. It contracted to claw back millions in misspent federal funds from dozens of people in Mississippi's sprawling welfare scandal. The termination comes about a week after Pidgett filed a subpoena on the University of Southern Mississippi Athletic Foundation for its communication with several notable people, including former Governor Phil Bryant, 
to get to the bottom of why it received $5 million in welfare funds to build a volleyball stadium. All I did, and I believe all that caused me to be terminated from representing the department or having anything to do with the litigation, was to try to get the truth about all of that, Pidgeot told Mississippi Today hours after his firing on Friday. Now note, this is back in July. People are going to go to jail over this. At least the state should be willing to find out the truth of what happened, end quote. So this story isn't going anywhere anytime soon. I'm bringing light to this story because all too often, poor people in this country are punished for being poor and put under ridiculous requirements to prove that they need help. I think the average welfare payment in the United States is less than $500 a month, yet you have public servants who are literally fleecing the system and helping out their rich friends. What's worse is that Mississippi is one of the poorest states. So you know there are many families that could have used that money, who could have maybe kept a roof over their head or put their kids to bed, you know, hungry, had these people not been thieving, allegedly. When people are accusing others of things, I'm now even more convinced it's projection. People who cheat are always accusing their partner of cheating. And so it is with thievery. Thieves believe people are stealing from them. And while I'm here, I'm going to call out that the stereotypical welfare queen is not the culprit in this case. And that's all I have to say about that. Ime Yudoka is the 45-year-old head coach of the Boston Celtics, the NBA team, okay? He has been suspended for an entire season after he allegedly had a consensual affair with a member of the Celtics staff. Now, the staff member is reportedly the wife of the Celtics VP of Finance. So talk about messing up your bag, okay? ESPN is reporting Yudoka's suspension will come with a significant financial penalty and no one else within the organization is going to be disciplined as a result of the investigation. Now, the New York Post has a little bit more details about what happened. For apparently, the Celtics knew about the consensual affair back in July, but they didn't take any action on it until Yudoka made, quote, unwanted comments towards the woman, which prompted the internal investigation. So Yudoka was apparently good at his job. He had only been their head coach for one season. And during that first season, he led the team all the way to the NBA Finals. They lost in game six to the Golden State Warriors. Now he has released a statement apologizing about the situation. Quote, I want to apologize to our players, fans, the entire Celtics organization, and my family for letting them down. I am sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation, and I accept the team's decision. Out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment, end quote. Now, why am I even talking about this? Because Yudoka has been in a long-term relationship with no other than Black legend Nia Long. Okay, she first grabbed our attention in Boys of the Hood. Then she was Will Smith's girlfriend on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, she was starred in the Best Man movies, Love Jones, Soul Food. The, her list of credits just goes on and on. Nia is beautiful, okay? Just gorgeous. 
just objectively beautiful. So like people were looking up her photo and then they looked up the photo of the woman that he was cheating on her with and like no one can make sense of any of this. And it's not to say that beautiful people can't be cheated on. It's not to say even that looks are a reason why people get cheated on. It's just shocking. Nia and Ime share a 10-year-old son and they have been reportedly engaged for seven years. So that's a long time, right? Now, Messy TMZ is reporting that Nia was completely blindsided by this entire story. According to TMZ, Yudoka allegedly didn't even give her a heads up until he knew it was about to go public. So maybe a couple days before it went public. And they're reporting that she moved to Boston just like two weeks ago with their son and they were house hunting. So if we rewind the timetable, so the Celtics knew that he was having this relationship with a staff member back in July. Obviously, Yudoke knew that he was in a relationship with this staff person back in July. And yet he allegedly, reportedly, we don't obviously know the nuances of the situation, but just going on what's been made public, he just kept it to himself and allowed her to move to Boston and go house hunting and all that. I tell you, people can just be treacherous. So the internet is going to internet and Twitter, Instagram just went wild when the news came out about all this. And so uh, Nia actually put out a statement saying, Quote, the outpouring love and support from family, friends, and the community during this difficult time means so much to me. I ask that my privacy be respected as I process the recent events. Above all, I am a mother and will continue to focus on my children, end quote. Um, so yeah, Nia has a 10-year-old with Yudoka and she has a 21-year-old son from a previous relationship. Just what a mess. What a mess. I mean, what was he thinking? I mean, not just stepping out on the mother of your child, but allegedly with the wife of the man who is in charge of your money. Just crazy. Now, the woman he allegedly cheated with, she's 33 years old. Um, she and her husband have three children. So, Allegedly, reportedly, two families are now going through it. And all I have to say is people just need to do better. Like, just do better. Now, another alleged cheater is in the news. Adam Levine, the lead singer of Maroon 5. He was all over the news due to basically sliding into some Instagram models, DMs. You know, just being, just being gross. And... Honestly, I don't care about him enough to research it and get all the details, so I'm not going to discuss it. I just remember him giving a super low energy Super Bowl performance a few years ago. So like, I just I'm just like I just don't care. So you can Google about Adam Levine, but I'm not going to talk about him. <laughs> I want to share that one of my favorite shows is back for a new season. I'm talking about The Great British Bake Off. It, I think it started up again last week. But yes, this year's opening skit is a lot less cringy than last year's Achy Breaky Heart cover. I'm just going to, I don't want to spoil it, but I 
do want to say that Prue appears as Chewbacca. So that's um, all I'm going to give you. So I'm really excited about Great British Bake Off. Love it, love it, love it. Next, um, another new show that's getting some chatter is called Dahmer. And it's the latest limited series from Ryan Murphy. It's about the serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Over a decade, he killed 17 boys and young men. Now, what's different about this series is that it is told from the victim's point of view. The show does have an eight and a half out of 10 rating on IMDb. So if you're into true crime, I'd say that's a pretty good score. So if you're into that kind of stuff, you might wanna check that out. When I was younger, I used to be really into the true crime stuff, but now that I'm older, I'm kind of not. I'm on the fence if I'm going to actually watch it, but want to let you know that it is available because it has gotten good reviews. And then lastly, this Sunday is episode six of House of the Dragon. I am really enjoying this series. If you don't already know, I do do recaps of the episodes that I release each Tuesday, so you can join me then. Thank you for listening to the weekend edition of I Must Discuss. If you have a topic you want me to cover, leave me a voice message. There's a link in the episode description on your podcast app. And if you like this podcast, give it a five-star rating and leave a review. Until next time.